you this time mike i'm here i'm here okay okay that's the joys of uh of trying to do things uh somewhat live that was uh, a band uh by the name of dorothy who is named after the lead singer uh at first i thought it was a solo artist but it is a band named dorothy uh that album I actually sampled some of the other songs off the album, 28 Days in the Valley. Uh, decent, decent, but the song that we opened with there, and hopefully we don't eventually get sued, uh, Flawless, really had the 90s feel that we kind of closed on and really touched upon heavily last week. And uh, would you agree, Mike? Yeah, I kind of had a little bit of a Sheryl Crow kind of vibe to it. Uh, yeah, uh, Sheryl Crow, um, maybe a uh, sober Courtney Love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I appreciate, I really appreciate a good uh, female singer. Um, I know you and I have talked about... Uh, you know, the pretty reckless, uh, that, yeah. that's a hell of a band, uh, that, uh, is, is more recent. Of course you got Hellstorm, uh, Nico Vega, um, and even, uh, Miss Amanda Palmer, who right. you turned me on to hairy armpits and all, I do not <laughs> care. I would, well, I'm married, so I'm going to stop right there. Um, but uh, but yeah, good female singers are. Um, I, I'm man enough to say I love me some good female singers. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't really feel like they're overshadowed by male singers at all, especially in my collection. I mean, I, there's definitely um, quite a few bands fronted by females or just just singers themselves that I uh, enjoy. So uh, yeah, they're 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 right there. There's there's definitely a quality there when it comes to me. Um, and while we could possibly spend a whole entire episode on female singers, I'm going to make a, uh, try to make a segue to, um, a very popular genre of people or bands, I should say, that, uh, that possibly looked like they were females <laughs> and that, uh, that was the genre of 80s hair bands. And, and right. this was, when we were discussing the, the music topic for this week, mm-hmm. kind of 
you know, your brainchild of 80s hair bands, and I know I kicked around poison, but then we kind of unfolded it into, well, maybe there was a couple of more. So, um, well, let's just dive right on in. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, 80s, you got to think, 80s, even spilling on to the 90s, because uh, some of these bands, they didn't just, you know, go hide in the a cave when Nirvana came out. So, uh, you know, even to mid 90s, uh, even beyond that, some of them, uh, but um, yeah, 80s especially was um, their time. But there were a lot of those bands, man. So it was hard. Like, I, yeah, there are a few that jump out at you that the, are the big ones, the top guns, the initials, but there really were a lot of those bands. But yeah, when you, when you think about it, like, um, some, like you were talking about Poison, like that the flesh and blood album that came out, I was in the nineties when that came out and that they were, a lot of them were still, uh, still going strong at that point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, since I, I, I'm going to touch upon a band that some people may take offense to, I'm not a terribly big fan of them, but, uh, Motley Crue, you could even lump them in there. In, in my humble opinion, you have Motley Crue, Poison, and even Guns N' Roses as your major players in the uh, in the hair bands. And I know last week, you know, we kind of we kind of took around the cultural impact of Nirvana. What would you think the cultural impact of uh, hair bands were <laughs> well i wasn't a teenager uh, when they first started so i really don't know how it felt to, to experience that you know blow up i guess whatever however you would call it I, and i don't know what where the genesis of that really started to be honest with you but yeah. the uh it was in the 80s it was the reagan era you know uh i think people were uh, a little bit more positive uh, at that time so the people were experiencing a little bit more uh fun or at least that was the the mode they were trying to get into anyway, obviously. So uh, culturally, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think uh, they they really had an impact on teenagers and, and people in the in their twenties. Uh, there's still a lot of people that talk about these bands, uh, you know that. And, and you know, you, you mentioned those three: Motley Crue and uh, uh, Poison. And uh, Guns N' Roses, Guns N' Roses, I feel like, and Motley Crue probably, they've kind of ran their course, though, in a way. I feel like Poison is still out there, and maybe it's just because they're still touring, that you're still hearing about them all the time. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Brett Michaels, you know, had that rock of love, and that kind of kept things going with him and in the spotlight and everything. But uh, but I'll tell you two more that I think probably uh, outlasted uh, some of the other ones as well is Bon Jovi. Okay, glad you brought that up. I actually have an article here from uh, LA Weekly, the top 15, that okay. we might briefly run through in just a moment. Okay, go, go yeah. But Bon Jovi and, and, uh, and Def Leppard. Um, and Def Leppard, because every girl that I know just loves Def Leppard to pieces. And again, they're still touring all the time as well. Uh, but but Bon Jovi, because they, they really transcended, they kind of, they, uh, you know, remade themselves and kind of extended beyond the hair band phase you know they they transitioned into just a regular radio rock kind of thing after all that died down so you got it but but during that period i think they were definitely in they would 
they would have been considered a hairband. But uh, yeah, so there, there there are definitely some other ones too that are out there that you can you can say are contenders. I think Warrant was a, a big contender there, right along with Poison there for a while as well. But um, but yeah, there was a time when Guns N' Roses could do no wrong. Like everybody loved them. It felt it felt like. Uh, but I feel I feel like that times has passed, and they're more of a parody now. It feels like it seems like overall. So. So this top 15 actually has a couple that you mentioned, even, you know, it, I warrant with the, uh, and I love this, the strip club staple cherry pie being yeah. the big hit. Yeah. Uh, that, and that was another 90s uh, album yep. right here. Yeah. Uh, and then you have, of course, Poison, Cinderella. Cinderella, yeah. Big one. Uh, Twisted Sister, L.A. Guns. Yeah, L.A. Guns. Uh, Quiet Riot. Quite right, only had really two big hits, but they were major yep. ones. Uh, Dawkin. Um, then you have uh, the, as you mentioned, uh, Bon Jovi, Tesla, Wasp, Skid Row. Skid Row, yeah. Sebastian Bach, really cool guy. Uh, Rat, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, and Hanoi Rock. Some Who? <laughs> Yeah, so we'll just kind of gloss over them, but I'm just wondering, like, these are all talented, talented bands, Slash, C.C. DeVille, two of them, especially C.C. DeVille, an underrated guitar player. I think a lot of times this gets glossed over and kind of swept under the rug as um, the 80s version of the Backstreet Boys, you know, because they had a lot of wet panties out there, and uh-huh. it just kind of, um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that 70s rock of Zeppelin and and Floyd and even Leonard Skinner to some degree. The, the, it was... It was a new age, but uh, I, I think it does get lost sometimes how talented these guys were. Oh, yeah. When it comes to CC's uh, uh, solos and stuff, I think they were kind of unparalleled at the time. Uh, like, I really en- enjoy, and, I, and I'm not a big solo guy. I really am not, but I really enjoyed a lot of his, I felt like he really was able to capture emotion in them. We did a song called Cry On Me. And, and again, I was usually always like, I don't want any solos. I don't like, I don't, you know, no solos unless they're super short. When you do a song called Cry On Me, I was like, just go ahead and go crazy with it. I, I would like for it to be a C.C. DeVille-esque solo. Right. So, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with you there. He definitely had a lot of talent. Um, but the only thing I'm wondering is... And I've wondered this for years. Why did they? Why did they tease their hair? Why did they wear makeup? Why was it? Some, was it some fucking music manager? Okay, Daddy, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna tease your hair. We're gonna put you in tights. We're gonna we're gonna put. We're gonna make a million dollars off his shit. I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the girls were doing it too at the time. You know? So. So there was that, but I, I I think somebody did it. Some band probably just to be different and weird to stand yeah. out. 
And I think that just became the norm. I, that's the only way I can think of because I have no idea what the hell was going on there. I mean, perhaps it was the natural evolution of Bowie and T-Rex, like, took, you know, to, because they kind of done that, and then maybe yeah, right, right. took it, you know, over the hump. Uh, well, yeah, but when you have somebody like Bowie, who is a little bit more androgynous, it kind of seems natural, but you right. got these cock rockers here that are, you know, yeah, all perfect <laughs> right so it's it does seem a little odd and speaking of stuff in their pants one that we haven't mentioned is van halen who van is halen, a- yeah, yeah absolutely i mean that's another and when you mention these bands you're talking millions and millions of albums sold mm-hmm. sure, uh, sure. i mean we're not talking just all one hit wonders here I mean, the majority of these bands, some serious, serious money were made. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you can consider Kiss part of that, sort of. But even though they were before that, really, I don't know. They were kind of in that a little bit during the 80s, I think. They took the makeup, makeup off to be a part of it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There was definitely some, uh, you're talking about female singers, the other, uh, Lita Ford uh, was there. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, we had some, um, and there's a bunch, man. I can't even, I can't remember half of them. Slaughter. Remember Slaughter? Yeah. Uh, I, you can sit here and probably name a laundry list of bands. Right. Uh, so, so anyway, yeah, I have a list here. It's a really short list I want to run through with you. Um, I'm on this, I'm looking at the the 50 greatest hair metal bands of all time, as uh, told by Rolling Stone. I'm just going to okay. do the top top 10 real quick. Now, okay. I'm, not agree- I'm not necessarily agreeing with these. I'm just telling you what Rolling Stone thinks. Number 10, Cinderella, Long Cold Winter. Okay. It's a good album. Good album. Yeah. Motley Crue, Too Fast for Love. Uh, I don't really know that one. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure I know some of the songs, but I don't know that album. Uh, number eight, Kicks, Blow My Fuse. Hmm. I'm not, uh, not particularly aware of that one, I don't think. No. Number seven, Faster Pussycat. Faster Pussy yet. I now they were a big band. I don't even know. I don't understand. Uh, remember that song that they had? Um, There's no one. House of Pain was the name of the song. Yeah, that was their big hit. But I, they weren't really that big. Uh, number six, Rat Out of the Cellar. Again, I don't know if that's the one. They're, they're uh, big, big ones. Out. Number five, Skid Row. Skid Row. Um, pretty good album. I had had three big hits on there. I'll tell you the album of Skid Row I love, Slave to the Grind. Yep. And that is the album that is a hair metal band not do- making a hair metal album. That one, it's it's like, it's I don't even know what you call it, because it's kind of alternative, but it's not. And it's just, it's such a poetic blend of craziness. Love that album. Um, number four, Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil. Good album. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, number three, Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Classic. Yeah, definitely be on there. Number two, Poison, Look What the Cat Dragged In. Yet again, classic. Sure, and number one, Def Leppard, Hysteria. Uh, yet again, classic. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the one that, I mean, come on, they play that all the time on the radio still. Like, you hear that all the time. So, they, yeah, that that's definitely uh, one that lasted for sure but anyway that's the top 10 according to rolling stones of the greatest hair metal albums of all time uh so 
to to put a quick bow on the uh, the hair metal bands, mm-hmm. cultural impacts. How do you think they influence? Because because you had a drastic shift from the mid to late eighties going into the nineties when you know we had Kurt from last week just kicking the door down like nope we're doing something completely different right yeah I, I think, influenced. right i think the influence into the 90s and the 90s bands was kind of a a a child who goes totally against their their parents <laughs> you know they're just right. like i'm gonna be like the total opposite of you and i think that's what happened it was like a just an opposite <laughs> uh reaction uh with the 90s but you know but again it's it wasn't like uh, even the people that grew up in the 90s wasn't still listening to it because the thing now here's the thing 90s had some great music but there were some things that you couldn't get with the 90s music and some of that was like the love ballads and stuff like that you know what I mean yeah. if, you're, if you're in love or you're with you know you know uh, just got with somebody or something you want some of that too or you just got your heart broken maybe you don't want to hear uh, territorial pissings you know uh, <laughs> then you, you probably would go and pick up uh poison or some shit you know so there, there's definitely was a need for it on through even after even in the 90s i think that that's why some of it still kind of continued um but I, I do think that probably um the 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 impact is pretty good like uh, i feel like and you know when you got to like nickelback and stuff like that i feel like that influence was definitely there to those bands you know so bands after the 90s, definitely you could see the in, more of an influence uh, from them, like specifically. But yeah, the influence for 90 itself, the 90s culture, I think was just like, we're going to totally go against what you're doing. Yeah. I I like the Nickelback comparison. That's uh, pretty spot on, sir. Um, and with that, uh, we'll move on. I know you said you had some, uh, some more horror movie related stuff you wanted to touch upon correct absolutely absolutely um i got i got some indie horror to talk about but first i'll talk about uh mainstream horror which is the strangers pray at night which is the strangers part two Mm -hmm. when saw this in the theaters uh a couple weekends ago and um it's really it's pretty good i liked it i enjoyed it I, i thought it was a pretty decent movie overall um Definitely um, one that we're kind of lacking in those kind of movies lately. Not not that it's like a ma- major major original piece or anything, but uh, I did I did enjoy it. I didn't like it as good as the first one because it it didn't really feel as intimate. But um, I did think it was pretty good. Um, interestingly enough, the soundtrack on that movie all eighties. There, nice little tie in there. There, yes, there is a, there is a crazy kill scene to total eclipse of the heart that is pretty spectacular. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, it's 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 pretty wild. I, I enjoyed it. I, again, I, I think it's really good. Um, interestingly enough, the the people who the the actors who played the strangers, um they aren't the same actors that played it in the original of course it's been it's been 10 years since the first one came out so it has been a while but it, but it was fine you you could kind of tell like i kind of had a sense about it that they were but i really but they really played it very well 
they played it just like the ones in the original. So it, it really, uh, it really didn't take away from it at all. Um, I thought like there was a little less cat and mouse to this one though, but um, it was pretty good. My, my main complaint with this movie is uh, one of the main actresses, Bailey Madison. I'm not really a fan of her acting. She's, she's really not my cup of tea. Uh, but Bill Pullman's son's in here. He's an, he's acting in this one. Uh, so yeah, I recommend this movie. It, it was it was pretty good, uh, especially if you like um, the first one or if you like slashers. I, I I heard a lot of people say they liked this one better than the first one because it was more of a slasher or it was definitely like a a new reprieve, for, you know, from all the stuff that's out now. But I I think that overall it's it's really good. Not great, but definitely worth a watch if you like horror and horror that's um you know where people are taunting you and uh, let's go to the indie horror real quick i'm gonna run through these real quick um i watched a movie called the lodgers recently uh this is it, they're british um the storyline is really weird it's about these two brothers and sisters who have to be confined to basically a certain set of rules and they have to kind of stay in their house they, they can't they can't be awake or up at midnight and it's all this stuff but it's about it's about these existential creatures that keep them at bay it really was kind of boring <laughs> uh i wasn't really that big of a fan of it to be honest i, I kind of found myself doing other things while i was on and the next up is the ritual this is a movie streaming on netflix uh, this one was pretty good. I liked it. Uh, it's a it's a British movie as well, um, but it, it's kind of Blair Witch esque. But no, it takes a total different turn toward toward the end there. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. It's on Netflix. Uh, anybody who likes horror should just give it a watch. Next up is Victor Crowley. Uh, Victor Crowley is technically Hatchet Number Four. So yeah, if you're uh, if you're a fan of Adam Green and the, and the Hatchet series, I think you know you'll, you'll probably like this movie. It, it does fall in line. It's got a little bit more comedy than some of the others, but it has a lot of the crazy outlandish gore and everything. Uh, to be a Victor Crowley movie, you make it it makes it sound like it's more of an origin story, but there really isn't any origin. You get more of the origin story in two and three, but this one kind of just takes it off ten years after the the third one and just runs with it. Uh, the next one I watched is called Eat Me. And holy shit, is this a fucked up movie. Um, oh, man. I, I, I didn't know anything about this movie going into it. And, uh, and I, I was like, okay, this, it's about a, over the course of one torturous night, a suicidal woman and a violent home intruder test the limits of human endurance. I was like, okay, this is going to be interesting. So we got this very, three characters in the whole film. Uh, two main characters in the whole film. Um, this woman, she's despondent. She's depressed. She's got some stuff going on. She's she takes a bunch of pills. She tries to kill herself. She get it doesn't really explain a lot, but she get the house gets broken into, and these guys are there, and one leaves, but the other one's there with her. And oh my god, it is so messed up. Hmm. I I don't know it. It's it's one of those movies that you're like what. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot. It's 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 not torture porn ish, but it is. There's a lot of uncomfortable scenes in it that, that you you know if you're not 
up for that kind of uh, movies and you probably won't like it. I was, I was watching the actress and I was like, wow, this girl is really in tune with like what the directors and writers are really wanting here. And then it comes to find out she was actually the one that wrote. And it was based on a, on a play that she, she wrote. So she knew what she was doing. So she really could, you know, bring her character to life. Um, Yeah. I liked it though. I thought it was really, really good. And the last one is mom and dad. You heard about this one? I have not. Interesting title. Mom and Dad. Holy crap, man. You got to watch this one. This is a recommend for you. For anybody, really. Uh, This is Nick Cage and Selma Blair with Nick Mm -hmm. Cage going batshit crazy. So, Uh, basically. Yeah, but oh my god. (laughs) It's so so enjoyable to watch him. Um, So, basically, the, the plot is... it's. It's really thin plot. Like, it's not like a masterpiece. It doesn't try to be a masterpiece. This is one of those guilty pleasures that, but, you know, you just, you just watch to just have fun. Definitely. That was the intent. Um, so the, the premise is these parents, right? All, all these different parents for some reason. And we don't really get the reason, except there's like some kind of static on the TV. And that's kind of been done before, but it's forgivable because what happens is these parents all of a sudden, for some reason, just feel the need to kill their children. Only their children now. They're not like zombies. They're not trying to kill everybody. They're perfectly normal, except they want to kill their children. And it's it's considered a dark comedy, but it's definitely horror uh, to a certain degree. Uh, But, oh yeah, so you've got <laughs> like the kids come out of school and then like their parents are like across this gate they break the wall down and start running toward them and it's insane but Nick Cage is amazing in this like if you like watching him be completely off his rocker you've got to, you've got to see the movie but yeah uh, it's it's pretty good I, I definitely enjoyed it um, I've only watched it once but I I'm gonna check it out again pretty soon. It's it's again. It's not a zombie movie because they're acting perfectly normal. Like they'll they'll turn one minute, try to kill the, their kids, and then the next minute they're like, "Oh hi, how's it going?" <laughs> you know, uh, it's insane. Check it out. That's all I got. Um. All right. Sounds good. Uh. Well, shifting gears, uh, staying on the topic of film. This week we were uh, gonna check out the Circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Hanks, Emma Watson. John Boyega, Bill Paxton, who surprised me because this had to be one of his last roles before yeah, he said. I looked it, I looked it up. Yeah, it actually is his very very last movie credit. Because I, I had no clue he was in it. I actually just watched it before we started this, and I seen that, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's cool," you know. And okay, what wh- what were your thoughts on it? Well. uh it's been it's been a while, little while since I watched it, so it's not as fresh in my mind. But um, I have to say, holy shit, man! I didn't know that you were going to send me a horror movie to watch because this is basically real life horror to me. It's like, oh, um, I I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. Uh, I thought the performances were really good uh, by everybody. You know, I thought that. Um, Hanks was in top game, top form here. Watson was great. Paxton did really well for his last uh, role. You know, we even had the guy, the the boy from Boyhood there, which he's not necessarily a tremendous tremendous actor uh, per se, but it was just nice to see him in something else. 
Um, but it was good. I, I, again, it, it's one of those things that just, as you watch it, you're, just, you're filled with dread. Because these are things that we've talked about for years and years, I think, now. But just the uh, the ideals of it all and just and the fact that, you know, most of this stuff or a lot of this stuff is really reality, you know, at this point. Um, that it's just um, – it's 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 really creepy. The thing that kind of stood out to me about it, though, is that honestly, the, it re- there really wasn't an antagonist. Not really. Like, I mean, I know you get that uh, Patton, Oswald, and and Hanks, they're doing they're doing you know nefarious stuff, but they're kind of open about it in a way. Like they tell you that they want to know your every move. They say that you know uh, what is it that what what is it what's their tagline? Knowing is good. Uh, knowing everything is better. Something, yeah. Something yeah. Along those lines. Yeah. Basically, it was just saying like you're at your best when you know you're being watched. Yeah. You know, uh, and that, and so they they kind of spill it out. They they do spell it out for everybody. And and again, a lot of the things that they're doing, they're doing in what I think in their head is for the good of humanity now they're again they're they have their own dealings and stuff and shit but they're not really like they're not just like in the corner going ha, 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean so that was that was interesting to to play off that because um again like some of the stuff that w- they were doing they felt like they were doing it for a good cause but but holy shit is it so like terrifying to think about when you when you're looking at all this ways that you can no longer have any privacy. Yeah. I mean, it had a very strong cast. Uh, as you said, Watson, Hanks, both top form. Uh, even John Boyega played played his part pretty well. Uh, I, 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 excellent point about there be, being no, no antagonist because I, I guess you're supposed to believe that the technology itself is the antagonist perhaps yeah um the thing that and and i'm i text you and i'm, I'm going to try to wrangle myself in the thing that i'm wanting to to touch upon with this i didn't plan this because last week we got delayed so we're doing this actually a week later than planned this past week uh Facebook, like 50 million Facebook users had their data exposed and, or, or it was revealed, I should say, mm-hmm. that uh, the very simple version, the uh, that 50 million Facebook users uh, data were exposed to a researcher who worked at Cambridge Analytica, who worked for the Trump campaign during the election. Um, now I'm not going to go too in depth into this because if we get too in depth in this, we're going to go way over our target time. Boing, go to the dark web. Yeah. Uh, so if you listen to this, just look up how you were a pawn in the election. And, and that's essentially what it is. And, you know, there's a scene in that movie where, as I said, I didn't plan this. I planned on talking about technology, mm-hmm. but I didn't plan this topical. <laughs> there, there is a scene in the movie where Emma Watson says, you know, well, maybe we should just have it be uh, mandatory for someone to have their, uh, 
their circle account uh-huh. yeah. so they can be a registered voter. Well, my mind absolutely melted and, <laughs> and I literally wanted to stop and start the podcast right there because I'm like, holy shit, this is like what is happening now in, 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 a, in a roundabout sense. I know there's some people out there that may, well, actually, it's not like that. But no, no, if, if yeah, it's a little bit dramatized for a movie, but you step back and look, I mean, Okay, there's what five hundred million. There, there's way more than fifty million Facebook users. Sure, but fifty million people is still a shit ton of people, and oh, yeah. their data. Like I've been reading, I mean, you're talking phone numbers and text messages and shit that isn't necessarily even linked to your Facebook account. Right, was linked. Now, they may just take this data, okay, that's John Doe's data, what the fuck ever. But the fact that it was compromised is kind of alarming because we really don't know how much of our data is compromised each and every day. And Facebook could just be the tip of the iceberg when you have another company who... I'll admit I'm a huge fan of, and I use quite a bit of their products, and that's Google, mm-hmm. who is a marketing company. They've come out and said, you know, we're a marketing company in essence, but they've been getting into the technology side of things, coming out with phones, laptops, little robot speakers, so on and so forth. And they collect data for marketing purposes. So this whole movie, I'm watching this circle, and I, I'm picturing the circle company as Google. And I, I kind of think that was the whole, the whole idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you hit on a good point of how it is a horror movie, <laughs> in essence of it is real-life horror, because... Okay, the little camera that she was wearing. Okay, you think about it. We have speakers in our home. We have cameras on our phones and our laptops and tablets. And now even it's been revealed that smart TVs spy on us Mm -hmm. and collect data. And it's just like, you know, how far off from what that movie was depicting, are we? I don't think we're... I don't really think we're that far off at all, to be honest with you. I, I feel like everything we do online is um, pretty much compromised. <laughs> I mean, to be honest. Um, you know, and, and I don't know how far down it goes. I know you get into, like, again, the dark web and all these things that people go to get, you know, away from spy, being spied upon or whatever. But I feel like that if you're just using a computer for the most part, uh, everything you do, people are watching and not like just sitting there going, Oh my God, he was on uh, uh he, he went to that site. Oh geez. You know what I mean? I'm not like that, but I feel like the data is collected, you know, no matter what. I mean, when you, if you hear a story that says something like um, so-and-so this movie or this song had 50,000 illegal downloads. Well, how do you know that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so everything that you, everything that um, pretty much you do and you, even if you think you're, Nah, if you think if you you think you're being careful, I think that you're probably not. 
So yeah, yeah. No matter how careful you're being, it's still. And you know, people out there, I, I've talked to some people, and, and they're like, "Well, if you have nothing to hide, what's there to worry about?" Well, that's fine in theory, but at the end of the day, what is even if you have nothing to hide? Well, it's still control, though. It's still a control situation. Is. I mean, you, you know, you're still putting yourself in a box. I mean, you know, let's just say you, you, you have some kind of joke with a buddy, you know, like back in the day, you could joke with, with somebody and be like, I'm going to do this outlandish activity, right? right? But if you actually posted that, or if you, you know, you uh, put it on online somewhere, you know, that could get you in trouble, you know, in, right. in the deep trouble, just, just having a joke. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a killer of, of comedy, but it also makes you nervous. It, it makes you, um, constraint it, it it you become more uh, aware of of what your actions are you know what i mean you know you know you have to think about what you're doing you have to be careful really so that, that is dangerous it is and and there was another thing in uh in there and and people may be like ah it's just hollywood you're just looking too much into it whatever but there was another line in that and i don't think i'm spoiling too much we're not you watch the trailer, you know what the movie's about. Right. But there was another another scene in that. I can't remember if it was Patton Oswald or Tom Hanks. I'm thinking it was Tom Hanks that said, uh, the government needs us more than we need the government. Yeah. Essentially saying that we are more powerful than the government. Right. And, you know, that really struck a chord with me because if you have all the data, even of government officials, and that was even touched upon in the movie. Right, right. If you have the data of these govern, government officials, then how powerful are they? Right, yeah. At the end of the day, in this day and age, data is power. So yeah. Th- that really struck a chord with me too. I'm like, wow, they're just really laying it out there of, of what could happen and what could be and, and what could be in the near future, you know, looping it all back around overall. Uh, we got off on a bit of a tangent there and I knew we would cause, cause that was my pick. Uh, and I, I was really excited to see the movie um, I liked it a lot better than I thought I would, to be honest with you. I did, too. I, well, I, I was really excited. Maybe I felt it could have expanded a little bit more, but I think overall it really touched on some good stuff. Uh, obviously, since we spent quite a bit of time talking about the topics that it did lay out. So um, on a scale of 1 to 10... I'd give it a solid seven, uh, a very solid seven, maybe even seven and a half out of ten. Okay. Um, actually, it's funny because when I when I first uh, watched it, which again was about a week and a half ago, I think my mine was a seven. But now that I've now that a week's gone by, I think I'm going to go down to a six point five. But it really is right right in there. It's right in that range. It's it's really good. Um, Again, you know, it's one of those very modern uh, that anybody can relate to, really, unless you're in a cave, which you're probably not watching it anyway. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, one of those movies that 
again, it does feel very much like a horror movie. Now, looping that back around to last week's discussion about Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. I actually looked it up, and I think it has a like a 20% roughly uh, from both critics and viewers. 20%? Really? Something along those lines. Really? Uh, so I'm not sure why. Yeah. I read the reviews. I was just like, huh. But that just goes to show, you know, that while that is a decent barometer, it shouldn't let it should influence uh it, it, you shouldn't let those influence your uh like or dislike of a movie. So well, they never influence me. I mean, I, they never have. You know, you were talking about. Crit- I mean, I think they, people have always looked to critics in a, in a lot of ways. You know, even back in the days of Siskel and Ebert, thumbs up, and all that. But I never have. I because I, I feel like my experiences is what's going to make me like it or not. Um, a lot of times over uh, something else. You know, um, I mean, yeah, it could be should be like the the acting, the cinematography, and all that stuff. But I, I feel like also I bring my own experiences into it. So if I like it i'm gonna like it whether you know it's a it's a big uh hit with the critics or not uh or audiences even but because uh, there, there's a lot of movies that i love that people just can't stand <laughs> so i know that i i can't be too affected by it i will i will read reviews after i watch the movie and made up kind of my own opinion sometimes i have no problem doing that but i usually don't want i don't I don't go to any sites to look for a review. I hate spoilers, so I don't. I like to be surprised by a movie. So the only time I really get really disheartened with a movie is when I'm not surprised or like, or like really like, not sure where everything's going. If it's so played out, then I'm usually like, ah. But anyway, so we, we did that. Uh, so let's look at let's look forward to the next watch. Um, I'll I'll pick this one. We did uh we did Netflix and we did uh, Amazon, so I thought just to be fair we'd give Hulu a chance. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't I don't really watch a lot of movies on Hulu uh, for some reason. No, I was looking on there and they have some decent stuff, but I really just don't go there to watch them that much. I don't know why. But anyway, so I've got a couple here and I'm gonna let you pick which one you want to do. They're both on Hulu though. The first one is Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Okay. Interest there? That's that kind of biography drama thing about the creator of Wonder Woman. Okay. Okay. And the other one, which is more kind of mild, you might not like this one. It's called Hounds of Love. It is about a woman that is abducted by a suburban couple, but she observes the dynamic between them and tries to figure out how to survive. Um, I don't, I, I don't know much about it. It does have a 6.5 on IMDb, but um, um, there were some sites that suggested it. So which one do you want to do? We'll go with Islands of Love. Um, okay. I'll go with that. Uh, I know last, in the last episode, I said we were going to do the, uh, Pacino versus De Niro, mm-hmm. but I think honestly we can uh, we'll actually push that to the next episode because uh, I, I feel like we kind of got wrapped up in the hair bands and the technology. Yeah. Uh, but um, is there anything else uh, 
Anything else you want to add this week? Uh, just real quickly, I want to do um, just want to do a couple of little songs. We'll see what it sounds like. We're we're gonna do a shuffle. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, maybe it'll be hair bands. <laughs> I don't know. No, I do have a few hair bands in there. I need to I need to add more to be honest. Okay. And you're gonna get a lot of these bands probably the same because again I haven't added that much stuff. Uh, the first one is Misery by Green Day. Um, good song. It's off the Warning album. Very good song. Very good album. Uh, actually might possibly be my favorite Green Day album. Really? Uh, I know I told you... What was it? Um, was it their latest album? Uh, the one Radio, that, Radio Revolution? Yeah, I said it had a real warning feel. Like... Um, that album was really good because, like I said, it had a real. There, there was something about that album that I, I really enjoyed. That I know that might be blasphemous because you have Dookie and you have American Idiot and the two, you know, the two pillars right there. And don't get me wrong, those are two classics. But Warning was a damn solid album. Well, I like all their albums, really. But oh. yeah, um, yeah, I like I like Warning a lot. This is a one-hit wonder by Everclear. Were you ever an Everclear fan or no? Yeah, yeah, I like some Everclear. Uh, the band and the drink. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then we just went straight into another Everclear. Uh, I don't know why it does that. Uh, here we go. Frank Turner. Are you are you familiar with Frank Turner at all? I've heard the I've heard the name, but I'm not overly familiar. Uh, he's more of a modern. Uh, well, he's got he's got a lot of albums, but he got kind of hit pretty big the last say five years. But this one's called Photosynthesis, which I really really enjoy. Um, he's kind of he's kind of like a punk rocker who's post punk. Yeah, so I, I really enjoy it. I I do suggest you check him out. Uh, Uh, Smashing Pumpkins, I. That's a new one on me. When was that? It's it's off. Well, right now it's playing off of the greatest hits, but this was off of uh, a soundtrack. Okay. I want to say what was that soundtrack that had Marilyn Manson and it was like all these different artists doing songs together. It it this it sounds like almost a David. David Lynch movie soundtrack, maybe something like that. I don't, I'm not sure exactly. I, I, I could be totally wrong, but I remember it. It, um, it played. It played like that a little bit. Um, and the last one we got here, uh, capping it all out, we got uh, female rock band Veruca Salt. Salt, okay. Were you ever uh, a Veruca Salt fan? Big hit, didn't uh, Seether. Seether was probably their biggest hit. Yeah. They had a couple albums, and then I think they kind of broke up. But, uh, but yeah, they were pretty good. I saw them live with Bush uh, many, many years ago. They are pretty good. All right. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's, that's all I got, man. Uh, so the next, um, the next installment, we will try to touch on Pacino versus De Niro. Uh, and uh, Hound, Hounds of Love, was it? 
Yep, Hounds of Love on Hulu. Yes. Um, and uh, discuss that, and I'm sure we will have we will have other topics that uh, that come about. But uh, that is episode three of uh, the best podcast that no one is listening to. Part uh, <laughs> part with Mike and Braden. So, um. I guess until next time, uh, that's all I got, man. All right, then. Same here. Next time. All right. All right. Sounds good. All right. Later. Later. Later.